All right, good morning, church. How's everybody doing on this wonderful, amazing Palm Sunday? The beginning of what we call kind of Holy Week as we lead up to the Good Friday and then, of course, Resurrection Sunday, which we're looking forward to, which is only a week away. Can we believe that Easter is only a week away? Yeah. Yeah, well, it is Palm Sunday, and we're excited because we got something that we want to share with the kids yeah, here this morning. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're going to learn about Palm Sunday today, right? Are you preaching along that line? Sort of. All right, well, uh, kids, up front here, there are two baskets of palms. These are for you. So when we start worship, y'all can come up. You can come up and take a palm, and you can just worship Jesus this morning. This is what the people did as he came into the city. He was riding on a donkey, and they took the palms and they waved them. And they said, save us. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna. which means save now. That's right. Jesus is our Savior. So as we start the first song, kiddos, you guys want to have some fun and worship Jesus and use the palms. They're up here for you. You get to keep them. So they're up here. You can take one or two and... Uh, just be careful, Ackerman kids. So whenever I want to instruct everyone's that's kids, right, I just yeah, talk to my kids. Yeah. Don't hit people with right. them because that's not fun. This is for worship, not it's a weapon. It's for worship. Not a weapon. All right. It's, and sometimes worship is our weapon. But True. this morning it's for worship, okay? True. This True is, we're, gonna have, we're just going to have a great time worshiping our Amen. Savior this morning. Amen. All right, guys, stand with me this morning. We're going to read just a small part of a prophecy out of Zechariah chapter 9 which actually foreshadows and talks about exactly what was going to happen when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And I find it amazing, over and over I find it amazing that the Bible has prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that happened hundreds of years before the fulfillment of it. And that one man, church, one man, Jesus Christ, one man fulfilled every single one of the prophecies in the Old Testament. And the statistical probability of that happening is, is astronomical. You can't even wrap your head around it, which means it's God. Yeah. Amen? Amen. <laughs> it's God. Okay, so on the count of three, we're going to read this together. Uh, Zechariah 9, we got verse 9 and 10, and we're going to read together. One, two, three. Rejoice, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle thou shalt cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus, it's all about you today. Our eyes, our hearts, we are focused completely, 100% totally on you. We give this service to you, Holy Spirit. Have your way in this place. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. As we move to the tables to receive our communion elements, um, 
you'll go to the table that's closest to you, and it's two cups, so you'll pick up, just one pick up, two cups at the same time. And you're going to hold your communion. We're going to take it together once everyone gets back to their seats. As we do that, you know, we do this as a family, to come together as a family to remember the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. And as we do that this morning, I just feel this impression of remember me rightly. Remember me rightly. There's a lot of different versions of Jesus out there, but there's one that's right. He was a real person. Remember, there's this thing. Our, our stories will be told in heaven and they'll be, they'll be told rightly. There's more to your story than you even know. Because there's so much has happened to us that we don't remember, you know, or we didn't mark, but that affected us. And so Jesus loves us in the, in the wholeness of who we are, in the wholeness of our story. We go to the word to see the real Jesus. This morning, remember him rightly. And what he impressed upon me is I have eight kids and not two of them are alike. They're nothing alike. I've got kids that have been so easy to raise because they just just good. They just obey. Then I've got these sassy little things that are full of spunk and questions. And you wonder, ooh, is it okay that she's even asking that question? But it is. Jesus loves. I would never change one iota of one and swap it for a little bitty bit of another. He loves us. So this morning, let's move to the community tables. I want to, I just, we're going to remember him. Remember him rightly, which is that he is love. He came because of love. He died for love and to bring us in as we are. He wouldn't change you in the ways you would change you. He doesn't want to change you. The essence of who you are is precious to him. Yeah, before we grab our elements, I just had a scripture out of Hebrews, which is part of our Bible reading plan this week. And man, Hebrews is so good. But anyway, out of Hebrews 7, I just want to read it. It says, by so much more, Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. Amen. <laughs> The surety, the surety, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the surety, the better covenant was paid for and bought on the cross, his body broken, his blood shed. Let's come get the elements.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is a special week we're in, guys. I was somewhere this week and I was having a discussion about Easter with someone who was, they were a non-Christian. And I said, well, Easter Sunday's coming up. And the person looked at me and they said, oh, that's like a big day for you. (laughs) And I said, no, excuse me, sir. I said, it is the day. It is the day. It is the most important day. It is everything. It means everything. And what happens this week in the leading up to the cross and then the resurrection, it truly is everything. It truly is life. And life more abundantly. Only because of Him. So we come to the table this morning remembering who He is and what He's done. And remembering Him rightly, as you said, rightly, rightly. So, Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's with us and in us and among us. And this morning, we thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for what you've done, for the sacrifice you made. No greater love than to lay down one's life. So we thank you for that this morning. We remember that this morning. In your precious name. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Lord, we thank you this morning. We worship you. Eyes on you today. Our eyes are on you today. Nowhere else. Not on our situation. Not on our circumstance. Not on our neighbor. Not on the person that we came with. Not on the communion cups that are dropping all over the sanctuary. We will focus on you and you alone. We will not be distracted. We will not be distracted. But we will focus solely, completely on you. For who you are and what you've done. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we continue to worship. The altar is open. Come up front if you need to do business with the Lord. I believe we're going to do a song that just, man, it draws you in. So let's do that together. Pastor, I'm going to say something real quick here too. Um, This next song is It Is Well With My Soul, which most of us all know. And um, I just want to encourage everyone to take hold of the words that we sing to heart. Don't just sing them today. Yesterday, I went and took a walk at Asbury Woods right over here, up through Brown's Farm, and um, I walked down by the creek, and 
the Lord said, go down to this bend over here. And I didn't want to. I'm like, I just want to keep hiking through this trail. He's like, go over there. And so I did. And then he's like, go sit on a rock. I'm like, I don't want to sit on a rock. <laughs> I don't want to sit on this rock. It's dirty and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm hiking. I'm going to get dirty. So what am I crying about? So I sat on the rock and he's like, just listen. So I listened and all of a sudden you could hear like the water on that bend is kind of ripply. It's like a, a tiny little rapids and it just was so calming to hear it. And then he was like, so what do you have to worry about? And I just talked to him and he's like, why are you worrying about anything? And it's so easy to worry. It's so easy to, you know, I went through a tough year last year with my grandpa passing and then six months later my mom just passed in January of this year but through it all he held us steady and I can say it is well with my soul but we have to take hold of those words so whatever you're going through sing them and believe them and confess them if they're not well confess them that you are going to be well because Jesus is faithful and he will not leave us nor forsake us and he will walk with us through anything any circumstance that we're going through so children. Mm. 
parents, I just feel, I, I continually feel compelled to speak with you. Do you know that your children are not your own? They're not yours. And if you wrap your head around that, it will lead you into great realms of freedom. They were given to you for a purpose. And the purpose is to glorify their father in heaven, to know him and to walk with him. So if your child, the child I thought was going to grow up and be the most selfish, I was convinced this girl is going to take for herself all the good things and give to everyone else the least. I'm watching it happen, Jason. We have got to address this. He addressed it. He didn't know I was listening. And he said, honey, you're such a good sister. And I know it's hard to share sometimes, but you work real hard at it and I'm proud of you. And I'm like, that girl needs a spanking. <laughs> Do you know that that particular child grew up to be the most giving? the most selfless. In fact, I have to force her to take good things for herself. Imagine the damage I would have done had I gone my way with that out of fear of raising a selfish child. I would have damaged her. God is, he sees and he does not fear. So my encouragement to parents is trust him. Your children are not your own. If you release them to him and say, tell me what to do. I love the story of the, the miracle of the wine. Um, I love it for many reasons. But Mary said to the servants, tell him or listen to him. Do whatever he tells you to do is what she said. And so it's become a mantra in our life. Lord, we will do what you tell us to do. Anything. Tell me to sit on the rock. I don't want to sit on the rock, but okay, I'm going to go sit on the rock. My expectations are up, Lord, because if I'm going to sit here and I don't want to, I'm expecting that you got something here. Following God always leads to raising up our expectations. And it takes the lid off of what is possible because nothing is impossible with him. If we parent our kids in our own strength, in our own, what we, how we've interpreted the Bible to be best, and this is what it means, and so this is what we're going to do. You're so focused on how you've interpreted the Bible that you are limiting what God wants to do in the hearts and the lives of your children, the hearts and the lives of your family, or even the hearts and the lives of your church. You get what I'm saying, guys? He wants to do the outrageous and the extraordinary. And his the path to get there is it's never the most likely path right if if you think well a plus b plus c will is going to equal the perfect kid or a great life for my kid or a growing church if it's a very linear equation i can almost guarantee you it's not his because i don't know maybe y'all are different than me but never once have i ever walked alone never once has the path been linear Never once has he done things the way I thought was best to do it. He is like point A, point B, seems simple enough. All right, Lord, I'm ready. I mean, he takes me this way, this way, this way, this way, all over until I'm almost thoroughly frustrated. And I look back though, and I see what he was doing. His ways confound the wise. So this morning, I love what Andy shared. Again, I almost called you Pastor Andy. I love what Pastor Andy shared. 
just releasing ourselves. I love what he shared about the story in Asbury Woods because it's, it's obedience to the voice and the presence of the Lord. And he leads us in the way of wellness, of security, and just of outrageous, extraordinary things. Thank you, Lord. As we close out worship here, I want to read out of Psalm 37. I'm not going to read, I'm just going to read a part of it. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. We're going to feed on something this week. Let's feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. So not only feed on his faithfulness, but delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Maybe not exactly in the way you thought they would happen or how they would come, come about. The straight line doesn't work that way. But commit your way to the Lord. Whatever way he's taken you on, whatever path, as you said, that you're traveling, commit the whole thing to him. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He will get you from A to B, but we have to trust in him. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Listen to this. Rest in the Lord. It's just talking about taking a travel on a path. Get all, it's all about trusting in his goodness and his faithfulness and then resting in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Don't get too far ahead of him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Don't fret, guys. It only causes harm. For evil dealers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your confirming word. We thank you, Lord, that you are working, that you are moving in our midst and in our lives. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you with everything. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, church family. We just have a few announcements this morning. Where'd Pastor Jason go? Oh, there he is. Okay. Just want to make sure you're in the sanctuary. <laughs> now you didn't get off somewhere. All right, guys. Um, worship and prayer is continuing Wednesdays at 630. Um, it has been a wonderful time of prayer and worship and just uh, presence, the presence of the Lord. Um, so I invite you to come on Wednesdays uh, for that. Uh, the Good Friday service, mark your calendars, April 2nd. So that's this Friday. Oh, look at that. Perfect. This Friday at 630. Um, that is at First Erie First Assembly. And this is a multi-church worship and communion service. Um, I don't think it's going to be long. Uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to participate with other local churches. So if you are in town and if you are able um, I encourage you to go to that service. Um, that's this Friday. And my final announcement today is for water baptism. We are having a water baptism service 
on April 18th. That's a Sunday morning. Um, if you haven't been to a water baptism service uh, recently, it's just the most joyful thing you could possibly do on a Sunday morning. We worship and we celebrate. The water tub is right here. Um, and we just celebrate the public declaration of followers of Jesus. It's ridiculously emotional. <laughs> there is just shouting and praising, and that's just how we do it. Now, this year so far in the sign-up sheet, we have a lot of kids, and that's just going to just, it just makes my heart so glad I can hardly even speak. So we have a lot of kids getting baptized. If you're interested in water baptism, please see us. There's a sign-up on the back table. There is a sheet back there that's entitled, Why Water Baptism, that uh, we'd like you to read through. It'll answer some of your questions. If you need further information, um, please see us, because this is a joyous and a wonderful celebration of Christ and who he is and what he does. So water baptism, April 18th. You definitely don't want to miss it. got one palm branch left. I don't know how many we got. We got a few, but there is one more palm branch up here, so if you're, if you didn't get one yet, you can grab one here or grab it after church if you want. I know kids, you guys can take those home for sure. They can uh, remind you all week, you know, of who he is and what he's done in this whole uh, last week, you know, before the uh, crucifixion, the resurrection. Uh, before we get into today's message, I uh, just want to bring a couple updates to you. Uh, the first one is regarding our soap drive. Uh, if you guys remember, we talked about collecting uh, soap for the city mission. And so I want to give you a quick update on the soap drive. I believe we got a picture here behind us on, the, on it going out. I know Camille has said it's been a blessing to them. People have been receiving this very well. Again, it's not something that they can get with food stamps and some other things. So as these bags and these boxes of food go out, we're giving them laundry soap at the same time. So our goal was 50 bags for the month of March. Anybody know what day it is? March something. March 28th, right? Well, if you look at that, we've, we had over 30 collected out there, and we had finances to buy over another 100. So we almost, I mean, we, maybe we have by now tripled the goal for March on the soap drive. So thank you, everybody, for your participation. Thank you, Stacy and John, for helping there as well. Uh, and as well as Camille, I think she's up in that picture up there doing her thing uh, down at the city mission. So we're just excited. I want to get, bring you guys up to, up to speed on that. Uh, the second thing uh, I just wanted to bring you up to date on is to my left, to your right, is our, it's probably the last week I'll talk about extensively until we bring another box down. Till we bring another box down, amen, which means another $25,000 of our debt will be paid off in Jesus' name. So I know we're getting close to that next level to pull that next one down. Uh, I know I see, I love it when I start talking about the thing on my left and I see everybody start to squint. Everyone does this one of these things. I, I squint and I'm, I'm sitting right there and I see people squinting. 
So the current number is 1.150 million. So $1,150,000 is the debt that we have left yet to pay off on this building, on this whole campus. So we started, I mean, it's worth about $4 million. We started with a mortgage of over $3 million. We've got it down to just above $1 million. Uh, we're probably going to do some kind of celebration once we go under a million. And then we are going to do one heck of a celebration when that last box is revealed and it says debt-free in Jesus' name. And so we're going to have a great celebration there. So what I've asked for the past couple weeks, uh, one, you know, that, this, this, that you would be in prayer about it. That you would just be in prayer about it. Just pray that we as a church continue to move down the path of being debt-free. And then also pray if God is just leading you in any way, shape, or form to partner with us in this. And I would, I would suggest that the Lord has been really dealing with you about being debt-free in your own life. As I messaged my message last week about, you know, whatever the seed that we plant is what we end up reaping. So if you're looking to be debt-free in your own life, I would encourage you, I don't care if it's two bucks. <laughs> I'm not looking for the number. I'm just looking for obedience for God just to work on your heart or for you to be obedient with it. God's going to pay off the debt. He'll use all of us and those who aren't even here yet to do that. I get that. And I'm not concerned about that. But this is just up here so we can see what God's doing. If you want to partner with that, I encourage you to do that. It's the second line on your offering envelope. It says generations, but that's what that means. It says building fund, generations. Second line on your offering envelope goes to there. And again, as I mentioned the past couple weeks, that's really above and beyond the tithes. So first line is your tithes and offering. And we had a great financial seminar yesterday. Uh, it was a blessing. Kingdom Financial came, if you remember last week. Uh, Pastor Micah Bowers came up. He's part of the Kingdom Financial team. And they did a wonderful job yesterday explaining stuff. And what he reminded me of, and all of those who were there, is that it all belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. We are just a distribution center, and we are to be stewards of what God has entrusted us with. So it all belongs to him anyway. So I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just asking you to pray about this. But I do know that the Bible makes it very clear that it's all his. And he's asking us to give back to him the first 10% as an act of obedience. And then he always challenges us, at least in my own life, to go above and beyond. Amen. So I want to pray uh, over this offering here this morning. And I also want to, uh, the person's not here so I can say it. I won't give her name because she doesn't like to be called out. But at the end of service last week, this person had a kind of a prophetic vision during the service as I was talking about the debt reduction. And here's what it says. It says, I saw on the wall a million dollars, and I heard the Lord say, I will subtract a zero from it. Guys, let me put that in perspective. A zero coming off that number does not mean $10,000. Let me take you back to math. We're removing a decimal place. And in this case, the decimal place is the million number. Okay, so when he says, when, when we, the Lord is giving a vision of removing a zero, it means what once had seven zeros now has six zeros. Amen? And I'm believing that first number is still the one. So, I mean, we're talking from... 1.1 million to only $100,000. And so that was exciting, but here's what's more exciting. Along with that, here is what she saw. 
She saw on the logo of the church the interstates of Route 79 and 90. And I saw prodigals walking on it towards the center of the cross. He is bringing the prodigals back into the fold. Amen? I mean, the first part was great. The second part is what it's all about. The first part's awesome. Cool, we can clap and cheer. But the second part, God drawing back to him those who are part of his family. Amen? That's what's exciting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are truly just distribution centers of your resources that you've given us. Father, may we be faithful stewards of what you've given to us. Thank you for leading us and guiding us. And Lord, we put our trust in you with our finances. And so, Father, we also pray for this message on Palm Sunday that you would just open our eyes to see your goodness, your faithfulness, and how you want to work and operate in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys, I've got two testimonies I want to share this morning. How many love a good testimony? Only some of you. How many of you love a good testimony? Hallelujah. Have somebody wave a palm branch for a good testimony, okay? All right, this is, uh, we got this over the website. A young lady named, uh, you know, someone named Jessica Rossi. Does anybody know Jessica Rossi? Oh, yeah, we know Jessica Rossi. She sent it in. I love it when she sends me these things uh, because she knows how much I love testimonies. Uh, She was in youth group with me when I was a youth pastor, and she'd be like, Pastor Jason, I've got to tell you something that happened this week. And then the next week she would say, Pastor Jason, I've got to tell you something that happened this week. And I absolutely love it. She says this, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and my hemoglobin, there's going to be a lot of medical terms, I'm probably going to skip those, which was, and she gives the whole thing, uh, which is linked to sugar, and all these things she talks about, spontaneous bond with hemoglobin, present these things, was 7.6, which she hadn't seen since she was diagnosed at the age of two and a half. 7.6 is a good number. It needs to go down. What the number was in the beginning was 12 which was really bad. But at 7.6, she's continuing to confess to get to the 6.5 that her doctor wants to see. I was also told these things with proteins and stuff that's coming out of her kidneys was now down to 69%, which used to be at 100%. So praise God for his healing power in her life. And here's another one. So he's not here today. I asked him if I could share it. I was going to have him share it, but he's not here today. Um, Charles Musella, love this guy, awesome man of the Lord, evangelist at heart, loves to share the gospel. But if you remember last week, somebody came up to me and said, I think somebody wants, I think God wants to do some healing on people's back. And that person mentioned that to me and it just resonated with my spirit. And I called people up here for that last song. I said, if you've got pain in your back in any way, shape or form, I want you to come up here during that last song. When he came up, I saw him kneel right over there, and he said the moment he stood up after worshiping with that song, the pain was gone. Completely gone. And he said, that's really great news, but he said, I'm not going to tell anybody, so I want to make sure that it's gone in Jesus' name. And so he went all week, and and Brenda's wife as a witness, he went all week, and he didn't call me until yesterday. He said, Pastor Jason... The word that the Lord had, the healing he wanted to do last week, was for me. And I could have been for other people as well, but it was for him. And his back is completely and totally healed in Jesus' name. So, (laughs) praise God. 
He is so good. I love testimonies. All right, open your books, open your Bibles, that great book that you have in front of you or your phone to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. This is Palm Sunday. And I want to talk to you about a couple of things here this morning regarding Palm Sunday. And I want to read the story first. And then I'm going to take a break right in the middle of the story. I'm going to give some points about Palm Sunday that I think are important. What those palm leaves really mean. Why did Jesus come in on a donkey? We're going to talk about those things. And then we're going to pick back up after he came into Jerusalem and see what Jesus did next. How many of you know when, when someone knows that they're in their last week of their life, you kind of want to look real closely as to what they're doing and what they're saying. And I believe that as we begin this Palm Sunday, as we're, as we're moving towards Good Friday and Easter, I want us to look at what did Jesus do after entering Jerusalem. And so let's start in Matthew 21, verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately, I love this, immediately, Jesus knew what was going to happen. Immediately, you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, as anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. So first, let's just stop for a minute. Like, I'm just like, wait a second. Jesus just was sending his disciples in to like, you know, thieve up a donkey or like, what's going on here? Right? As you read it, if you just read it all by itself in context, but what you have to know is God knew, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen, how it was going to play out. He was doing nothing but asking for them to be obedient to his command. And knowing exactly what was going to happen, Jesus said, go and get that. And he said, immediately you'll find it. Immediately. And then in other Gospels, I'm not going to read them, but it says, you know, somebody did ask them and they said, hey, the Lord has need of this. And immediately they let them go to come back to where Jesus was. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying this. We read this this morning. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Can we stop there for a second? What did we say earlier? What did we say earlier? Whatever he says to go do, do it. Whatever he says to go do, do it. Whatever Jesus is speaking to you to go do, do it. It may not make sense to you. It probably didn't make any sense. Jesus is telling me to go and take, take I, I don't understand. But what happens is they went and they command, whatever he commanded them, they went and did it. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches, these palm branches that we have, from the trees and spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna. They're crying out, Hosanna. To the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 10. And when he had come into Jerusalem, 
all the city was moved. When Jesus shows up to your town, when Jesus shows up to your life, everything is moved. Guys, when you invite Jesus into your life, everything is moved. Everything begins to shake. Everything that we used to stand on says that this is what I'm standing on. This is what I believe. When Jesus begins to penetrate in there, you begin to see things in a totally different way. When he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And so the multiple said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So I want to paint a picture here just for a minute. Think about this. This entire city of Jerusalem, Jesus is riding down on a donkey. There's people laying their clothes down. There's palm branches coming down. And they're yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now, save now, save now. And what we have to remember is the people, those same people who were saying save now, were this, many of those were the same people who ended up persecuting him and turning him in and having him crucified just five days later. And you're like, what? This big event, the circumstance, everyone's excited. You see, what happened is, is they had this expectation that was wrong. They had an expectation that was wrong. They expected Jesus to come in and be the conqueror and to blast everything up blow everything up and say, I'm the king now. I'm the new sheriff in town. All the government now is on my shoulders. And they're thinking of the, pro- the prophetic words that it wasn't quite the time for those things to be fulfilled yet. And they completely missed it. They completely missed it. But here's what's interesting. Here are five things about Palm Sunday, about what happened in the story we just read, that can remind us that Christ is king. Number one, God's word tells us the people cut down palm branches. We just read that. What do palm branches actually represent? They represent goodness and victory. Like they're getting fired up. Like, woohoo! This is going to be awesome! Victory, baby! Victory! Like you can imagine like the energy and the excitement. People are getting fired up. This is going to be awesome. And Christ is king. And he is coming to rule and to reign. But it wasn't in this part of the story. It's part of the story where he comes again, when he will rule and reign. This part of the story is where he had to be the sacrifice for our sins. And they missed, they didn't see that as it it was happening. Number two, Jesus chose to ride on a donkey. Why is this important? Because a donkey symbolized peace. So if they would have realized he was coming in on a donkey, he was actually peace. He wasn't coming in on a massive horse with a sword, right? I mean, this is what I think they were hoping for, that this is it. He's coming. It's time. But he actually rode on a donkey, which symbolized peace. So those who choose to ride on them showed a peaceful intention. And what Jesus was doing is reminding us that, yes, he is the king of kings, but he's also the prince of peace. Number three, the people shouted, Hosanna. Because even though their expectation was wrong, 
They knew in their hearts they needed a Savior. Save now. All of them shouting, save now. They needed a Savior. Number four, the Bible says that Jesus wept for Jerusalem. He wept. We know that He's the King of kings and Lord of lords because of His heart of compassion. He wept because He knew that the same people who were cheering today would be the ones jeering tomorrow. And He wept. In the midst of the moment, He knew what was going to happen. His heart broke with the reality of how much they truly did need the Savior. And number five was Palm Sunday reminds us that the reign of Christ is far greater than any that the mind of man can conjure up. You see, they thought it was going to be one way, and it turned out to be a completely different way. And so here's what's interesting. I want to pick back up on the scripture that follows after this, because here's the interesting thing. That everyone's excited. Here he comes. The king is coming. He's riding on this horse. Hosanna, save now, save now, save now. And look at the first thing that he goes and does after he comes in on the donkey. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're really ready for this or not. Are you really ready for this? In Matthew 21, pick it back up. Then in verse 12, then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables. This is the infamous flipping the tables over story. This is Jesus literally going into the temple, beginning to flip the tables over. And the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. The very first thing that he does after he comes riding in, they're saying, save now, save now, save now. The first thing he does, he goes into the temple and he drives out that which shouldn't be there. Very first thing that he does. And as I was reading it, I was reminded that during this week, as we're leading up to Easter, we are the temple of God. We are the temple. And so as we're entering this holy week, this week leading up to Easter, we have to remember that Jesus wants to do what in our life? He wants to get in there and remove all the stuff that isn't supposed to be there. And you're just like, oh no, 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 that's not what I want. Jesus, yeah, that's like, this is not fun. This is supposed to be the happy week. We're so joyful you came in on a donkey. We're waving the, the palm branches and save now. Woohoo, save now. Come be, and now what is he going to do? He's going to come in and he's going to begin to take out the stuff that doesn't belong. You're like, really? This is the first thing that Jesus did. And so what is our response? If this is the first thing Jesus did, he went after the things that needed to be removed. What is our response? Our response is to ask the Lord, what needs to be removed in my life? What is it in here? If this is the most important thing, it's the last week of his life. He wants to show us exactly what to do. He went into the temple. If we are now the temple, he is coming into us this week. And we have to say, Lord, please remove. Are you willing to say it? Are you willing to pray it? Because if you pray it and you mean it, he's going to do it. 
And so, I, I mean, it's like a cautionary prayer. <laughs> or maybe a dangerous prayer. I'll tell you what. You need to ask the Lord. Well, I know he wants you to do it. He wants you to do it, but you got to say, Lord, <laughs> remove from here that which is blocking more of you in my life. What is it, Lord? What is it, Lord? Because during the first thing he did, he came in, he went right into the temple, and he started removing the stuff. Removing the money changes, removing everything that what shouldn't belong there. And so that's what Jesus wants to do in our life. It might be painful and challenging, but he wants to remove that stuff from our life. There's sin that he wants to remove from our life. There's words that we speak that he wants to remove out of our life because the power of our words. There may be certain things that we struggle with. Maybe we sit in judgment over things all the time. He wants to remove that from our life. It says, judge not lest you be judged. So when we sit in judgment over something that we shouldn't be sitting in judgment over, we need to remove that from our life. Jesus doesn't want it there anymore. He wants that out. He wants gossip out. He wants disunity out. He wants it all out. And so we have to be willing to say this week, Lord, remove that which needs removed. This is the, you know, everyone's, this is, I'm not getting shout down this morning. This is like, you know, wait a bit, what about all the goodness? And yeah, it all, it ends up being goodness. Because he is good, because he loves you, because he cares for you, he doesn't want the stuff that's in here that needs removed to stay. Because the stuff that's in here, if not removed, causes what? Sickness. Death. Pain. Agony. It has to be removed. You know, there's studies that link the amount of bitterness someone shows in their life to cancer. There's like a direct line correlation. Now, I'm not saying everybody who has cancer has a problem with bitterness. But I'm saying what it is, is it's, it's an understanding that there is a root of something on the inside that's being allowed to grow that we have to remove. And we have to let Jesus do the work to do it. Not in your own strength. Not in your own, but, but you have to be willing to allow him to come into the temple and to flip some tables. Are you willing this morning to let Jesus come in and flip some tables? And it's like, oh, well, Pastor Jason, that's a great message he gave on Sunday morning about letting Jesus come in and flip the tables, but really, I don't want to actually execute on that all week. No, he wants that for you all week, not just Sunday morning. He wants to flip tables and remove the stuff. Get it out that doesn't belong there. You say, well, how am I going to do that? Verse 13. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So what do we do? We have to pray. We have to pray. If we're going to cleanse the temple, we're going to move it all out, then we have to put back in the temple only what he can put back in there. And we have to say, Lord, you do the work. And we have to pray. The Bible talks about when, when uh, the demon-possessed guy, when, the, when the, uh, the demons left, it was swept clean. You have to fill it back up with something. We have to fill it back up with the Word of God. Fill it up and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Fill back up the place that was all that stuff that got removed. Fill it up with Him. More of Him. We can do that through prayer. Jesus reminds us that His house 
is a house of prayer. So our response to that is it's really a call to prayer this week. Say, Lord, mold me, shape me, change me, help me. Be willing to allow Him to root out those things. Verse 14. Here's the hallelujah. Here's the praise. Here's I might get a couple amens. So if we are willing to follow this process that God has, that Jesus modeled on His last week on this earth, that He said, I'm coming into the temple, I'm blowing all this stuff out, I need you to pray because my house is called a house of prayer, what begins to happen? Look at the next verse. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Then he healed them. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, then he healed them? Think about that. He came in, he removed everything from the temple that shouldn't be there. He said, let us pray Seek Him and who He is. And then healing is released. Now I've talked, there's ten different ways God heals in the Bible. This isn't the only way, but this is one of the ways. But think about that. The blessing blockers, the healing blockers, the things that in our life, Jesus wants those removed. He wants those removed from your life. He says, then the blind and the lame came. And if you're interested to look in that word, that word blind there doesn't just mean physically blind. It actually means emotionally blind. Psychologically blinded. It means total and complete healing. Not just blind eyes. Jesus says, come to me. All you who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what do we do in response to this? We run to Him. We run to Him. We run to Him. Say, Jesus, clear this temple. Fill me up with your power and your spirit, and then we just run to Him. This week, our eyes need to be focused on Him and Him alone. I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know what circumstance you're in. I don't know what challenge that you have. But I'm telling you, if you pray this prayer and you begin to say, Jesus, remove those things which are hindering you from moving greater in my life. And you pray that prayer. What happens, I believe is what the Bible says, is then God begins to move and work mightily in our lives. Changing things we didn't even expect. A lot of times, changing things we didn't know needed changed. He is working. He is working. That word blind, like I said, literally means physically and mentally. The lame. Physically. Every need that we have, He wants to heal. So what's our plan this week? For Holy Week, as we enter it, as we lead up to Good Friday, said if you want to come back up, remove that which needs removed. You say, well, how do I do that this week? It's a word called repentance. It's a word called repentance. 
And if we can believe and think on Jesus and what He did and what He went through this week, if we can reflect on our life and say, Jesus, show me that which needs removed. And when He shows it to you, be willing to say, Lord, I see that. Lord, I see that. And I repent for that. Lord, give me the strength to remove that from my life. And then I tell you, you can't do this on your own. You have to run to Him. You have to run to Him. And what I find interesting is these are the first things that Jesus did during this week. And then He began to teach some of the most important things that He had taught for that last week. And if you look at the Gospels, a lot of them are like one-third, one-half. A large portion of the Gospels are what Jesus spoke during His last week on this earth. And so the interesting thing is, is as Jesus says, remove that stuff, repent of those things, I will fill you up. It is then where we are now positioned to hear all that He has for us. All that is coming. All that is before us. Would you close our eyes this morning and bow your heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for this week for what you've done, what you're going to do, what you really already have done that we are just remembering this week. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Jesus, we thank you for clearing the temple. And Father, we ask that you remove that which needs removed so we can clearly see and hear what you have for us. And Jesus, we run to you. Every day this week, our hearts, our eyes are focused on you and you alone. And Father, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. If you're here this morning, keep your eyes closed and head bowed. If you're here this morning, you've never made never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. So I've heard about this Easter story. I know what happened, but I've never truly made that decision. If you feel the Holy Spirit just pulling on the inside this morning, if that's you, say, Pastor Jason, I want to make Jesus my Lord. I believe what happened this 2,000 years ago. And I want to make Him my Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand up. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, Father, we pray for those who rose, who rose their hand up today. 
both here and online, those who are watching. Father, we speak the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over their lives. Father, we thank you that they're making decisions to receive you today, to receive all that you are, who you are in their lives. And Lord, I know that you begin to work in their life, to mold, to shape, to change, to remove, to make whole. To make whole. We thank you for it. In your precious name. Amen. Now those that rose their hand up, I saw your hand, so I want you to meet me up here afterwards so we can just begin to minister and talk to you and tell you about God's goodness, His faithfulness, and His love that He has for you for what He did this week. Babe, you want to share anything? Such a good message. So... I love the Holy Spirit and how he ties things together because earlier he talked about how there's point A and point B. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, those people were crying Hosanna and they had in mind what Jesus was going to do. But that's not at all what he did. And they wanted to be saved. And so he went to the temple and started flipping tables. That was the saving. You want to be saved? Get rid of this. Get rid of this. But that made them hate him. So he was doing what they cried out for. But the process was not preferable to them. His methods were not preferable to them. And so they hated him. And they called for him to be crucified. As we walk with Jesus, we cry out to be crucified with him. And the process is not preferable we trust in him. And if I asked how many people go to the doctor and when you go there, they do things that are not comfortable. <laughs> from, the, from the blood pressure cuff, which is actually not painful, but it's definitely not comfortable, to things that are just really painful. But there's a level of trust you have that that doctor is working for your good. There's pain in the process, and we trust that with doctors, but when it comes to Jesus, sometimes we're just like, what are you doing? Where are you? Like, where are you? He's working. He's working. But the process is, is never what we think it is. And I just love how that message just ties all of that together. And I love, it says, and then they came. Then they came. You want to know, why aren't the seats filled? We're in the process, baby. But I have every confidence that God is working Amen. and they're coming. Amen. They're coming. The blind, the hurting and the broken, they're coming in droves because Jesus is the only answer. Amen. 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 Well, I'm going to say a benediction over you guys. Prayer team, if you guys want to come up here, there'll be people up here who can pray for you. Again, if you raised your hand, I want to see you up here. Because um, I just want to talk to you for a couple minutes and just minister to you. But as I read this benediction, the prayer teams will be here in the front. If you need prayer for healing, just an agreement for anything, relationship-wise, whatever it is, they're here to pray with you, to talk with you. You don't have to share all the details if you don't want, but they are people of faith who will pray with you and agree with you in the name of Jesus.
Revelation 7.12 says this, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Can I read it again? Think about this. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. Our God forever and ever. Amen? Amen. And amen. You are dismissed. Happy Palm Sunday. Invite someone to Easter service next week. Same time, same place, 10 a.m. We'll see you then.